Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. I want to have pasta in one corner and tacos, cantaloupe, <laughs> and top it off all with turkey gravy. I get shamed a lot, and it's completely unfair. Cost us $700 for 15 minutes with a guy who smokes through his mask. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Three o'clock hour, Golden Knights now 2-2 in their series. Look like they're in big trouble. Much of the country, I don't know how this team is going to beat the abs. We told you. Stay calm. Stick to your guns. They're a good team. They didn't get destroyed by the Avs during the regular season, and now we got an even series, and now it's the Avs kind of stumbling backwards trying to figure out what the hell's going on. It's time for the three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Wow. Wow. We'll get into the gambling angle here in just a second because that's big for Vegas. What happened over the weekend in golf? Oh, boy. John Rahm. Running away with things. Don't get all happy. Because I know where this is going. Thrilled. Uh, was playing an incredible round on Saturday. His third round. He had a hole-in-one. Killing the course. Pulled away. Basically had the tournament won on Saturday before Sunday even started. And then I thought, what I thought was very weird was as he's walking off the 18th green, a tour official comes over, says something to him, kind of whispers in his ear. John Rahm reacts emotionally. And he is forced to withdraw from the tournament because he had tested positive for COVID. And it happened twice. I mean, he he tested positive. It sounds like he was around the 13th hole when they got the first result back. And then around the 16th or 17th when they got the second result back. And then they told him as he walked up, like, you, I think you could tell him, like, in the 10th or somewhere. I don't think you have to tell him on the 18th green. But as it turns out, he has to, he has to pull out of the tournament. And the guy who was an almost sure winner then can't play on Sunday. Thank you, Jim. What's going on here? Somebody just gave John some news. This is not good. And we have no idea, folks. We have no idea. He just passed along some information, and you could see just instant devastation. I mean, like, his food of choice is gone from the clubhouse? Well, I love me- how Nance was like, this is not good. We have no idea what's going on, but it's complete devastation. I mean, it was almost, if you watch the interaction and you don't have any idea what it was, you would think he, that the guy went up and told him, like, hey, your parents died. Like a family member passed like away. Something, yeah. Like something, yeah. like something like that had happened. Now, knowing what it is, you watch it like, oh, it wasn't, it was more like shock than sadness. It was more like, oh. What what happened, man? But it couldn't have been too surprising. Man, he he was in yeah. protocol all week. What? Oh, I was gonna say, what a bad break! You're leading a tournament, you're playing your ass off, and then some idiots around the course or another player has COVID and gets gives you COVID when you're vaccinated. You did everything you're supposed to do, right? I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line, uh, John Rom. Doing what he's supposed to do. That's why there's still that small chance. You never know who you're around who could get you. You never know. And if, well, even if you're vaccinated, you could still potentially right. get it. It's just it's much less likely. And if everybody, so, what's the deal with Rom? 
But I loved we, that one up. I couldn't. I that was Astadio, forty-seven miles an hour, and I loved it to you to bang a home run. Well, out. we still don't. Do we know, know if he's accidented or not? We don't not? know for sure. We're very close to certain that he is not because oh, he was no. in protocol. He had a close contact early in the week, and then he went. That means he has to go into daily testing every and, day. And if he was vaccinated, he wouldn't have to go into. Yes, he would not have had to go into daily really? testing if he's vaccinated. So that tells us most likely he is not. So we've got a major golfer. We think we're ninety percent sure he's not vaccinated. So every time he shows up at a tournament, he's putting his paycheck on the line. Yeah. Oh God. And and by the way, it's oh my God. Very clearly spelled out in in, in their in their Jesus. rules. Like how much money is that? What are you doing? A million dollars this week. Is that what the first prize was? It was a million. Oh, a million dollars. And yet you have people in other places like fighting and scrambling oh to try God. to get vaccinated so they could potentially win a hundred thousand. A million dollars. <laughs> and it's, and he's unwilling to take a couple of pricks in the arm. But again, I don't like I'm not for I don't think we should be going around and like jamming, you know, jamming needles into people's arms. I don't think we should just be like you know forcing people to do it, but you also understand like there's places of work. Yep. If if at my other place of employment, if they're like, all right, well, you this happens if you are vaccinated, this happens if you doesn't. If you're not, I'll be like, okay, yeah, let me go get it. Now I was trying, you know, I was among like the first people in line to Ooh. to run and get it. It wasn't an issue for me, but if I was hesitant or I didn't want it, like I'd understand what the rules are and say, okay, well, I get this. One point. Six seven four million. Ooh. First prize. Ooh. That's that's a tough one. Does he go now? He should have left the course. I guess you gotta recover first before you can just to recover for I think three months before you get vaccinated, but maybe leave the course and run to the nearest vaccination site. And then in a couple, you know, three weeks you get another one, and then two weeks after that you're fully vaccinated. So five weeks from now he could be okay. But Again, like the rules so, are laid out. So this golfer is asymptomatic. But that means every person that he comes in contact with who is also not vaccinated, they're at risk. Sure. Why I feel bad. I don't. No. No. Not at all. This is like this is again, you don't want to find. But you also understand what what you're doing. Like, okay, this is the rules on the tour. If you get vaccinated, you have this set of rules. If you don't, you have this set of rules. And I get there's a lot of people that are skeptical, that don't trust it, that don't believe in it, that think there could be long-term effects. All those things are fine. But you're making the choice to say, I'm going to play along with these rules or I'm not. And if I'm going to play on the tour, it could potentially cost me a prize. It could potentially cost me winning a tournament if I'm not. And that's the decision I'm making. So you chose this. So there shouldn't be anybody feeling bad about it. That's too bad. Uh, let's move on to the NBA. Luca's out. All that ranting and raving last week by us about Luca. Uh, he can only do so much on his own. Clippers get it done. Is he, is he LA? I have no idea. I don't care. <laughs> Not a story. Right? LA still alive, baby. Representing for the city. Uh, you alleged last week that a lot of Knicks fans were going to become Nets fans. Oh, yeah. I saw you uh, You retweeted some Homer Simpson, you know, backing into the bush. Yeah. 
It's kind of the, the situation when he's embarrassed, like, eh, let me get out of here. Changing from the Knicks jersey, emerging from the bush in the Nets jersey. Yes, Knicks to Nets. Yes. Lakers to Clippers. How many Lakers fans are going to flip to the Clippers? I still feel like there's going to be a lot. It's not going to be as many. Yeah. Because Lakers fans, like, is the Clippers, I was going to say the Clippers aren't as cool as, like, the Nets are. But the Nets, they do have some pretty cool players to cheer for. The Clippers do, too. But the, the Lakers fans have looked out of the Clippers for so long. Right. Um, and I guess that's happened in New York, too. But that was the New Jersey Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are cool. I'll take that as a Nets fan, as a lifelong Nets fan. Yeah. You were with them when they were yep. the dregs of nothingness and, you know, the, the trash dump. I stuck, stuck it out. Yeah, trash dump for New York. Hurt my heart that they left beautiful Newark <laughs> to go to Brooklyn. But, you know, I stuck it out. Now the payoff is here. Oh, I thought you were a lifelong Heat fan. Uh, I was a child. Okay. Right before LeBron came along. Uh, series price on the... That's when you were a child? Series price. That was a joke. Series price on the uh, Clippers. A lot of Clippers money coming in. Oh, yeah. Why? Well, I think I think people... They're, they're the, the known entity and everyone else in the West. It's like, we've never seen these teams succeed at this level before. I think there's part of that. I think part of it is the Clippers were looked at as one of the favorites, and now they they got through what was a, on paper, maybe a bad matchup for them. Yeah. Uh, they're through that. They've overcome the adversity. Maybe they settle in a little bit. Um, the path is there for them to make a run now. And, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that that they're the team that comes out of the West. Are you confident? No. Okay. That's exactly it. No, not at all. I mean, I, you know, you you never know. It's you know, Kawhi gets hurt. What happens then? And, and Paul George, as much as I like him, and I keep thinking he's going to have a breakout, he was really good in game six. You know, nothing – Earth-shattering, but he was just very good, very solid throughout the game. Game seven had stretches where he was mm. okay, mm. but I mean, him on his own wouldn't be great. Yeah, and it's 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 those two in a supporting cast that's okay, but you know, they're a piece or two away from not having a good supporting cast. Jazz from one sixty down to one thirty-five now. Yeah, I, I you know I, one I four think, series, and you're getting the Clippers at plus one fifteen. Yeah, I think the Clippers are. Not maybe not anymore. Maybe you missed your chance, and maybe you missed out on the value. But um, I, I think the Clippers are very live in this series. Uh, we'll get you updated on uh, the Nets and their situation. James Harden uh, getting ready for Game Two of that series. But before that, we're going to talk about the Ab side as the Knights have evened up this series, and it seems like from a, a mental standpoint, have taken the advantage as the Abs are really struggling to score right now. We're going to talk to Connor McGahey in Denver. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to Cofield and Company. McKinnon deals away in the forehand near side. Nico Rantanen. Score! Celebratory mood. Remember that? Middle of last week. Uh, Things have changed, huh? Seems like forever ago. Things have changed. It does seem like a different series back then. Different tone. All right. We got a 2-2 series now. Back in it, baby. Here we go. Well, the guy on the call, Connor McGahee, is a little bit familiar with Vegas, and he gives us a couple minutes here on on a Monday. What's going on, buddy? 
Fellas, how we doing? Everyone good? Oh, great! We're great! Outstanding. <laughs> you sound very muted today. What's going on? What's wrong? See, I, I was so hesitant to even come <laughs> on, but because we have history stop, and I like stop, you, stop. I'm here. So, I mean, you can keep it up all you want. That's fine. Oh, all right, but I, all right. you know, but I'm 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 here because uh, like I was just uh, talking to Ari off uh, offline. Is you know, we go way back. And yes. 1718 is one of my favorite years that I've ever been uh, in this business. And uh, and you guys are good people. Well, so. thank you, thank you. Do we, do Usually. We, yes, 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 yes. Uh, all right, well, let, let's talk about what just happened uh, the last couple of games, and specifically yesterday. Uh, I want you to talk about what you saw from the Golden Knights because it's kind of been a continuation of, you know, what they did from, uh, what, the second period in game two on. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And v- Vegas realized that, I mean, Colorado is skilled and fast, and that's how they play, and Vegas had to – to change how they played, and they did. And Colorado hasn't really been able to adapt to that yet. Um, but you know what? It's it's 2-2. Two, two, it's a best of three. And I think that despite the fact that it was 5-1 last night and the Carlson, Marcia, So, and Riley Smith line has found uh, some new life, and I think the last change does Pete DeBoer a lot of favors there because he can get the matchups that he wants, and now Jared Bednar can get the matchups that he wants in Game 5 and Game 7 if necessary. So uh, I just think that Colorado, even though he was 5-1 last night, uh, making or just realizing what they can do to, to get out of the traps that Vegas really sets all over the ice. Colorado's not a one-line team, but we do know that that, you know, that top line drives a lot of what yeah. this team does offensively. And they have, you know, after, what, eight points combined in the first game, four points combined in the last three. They didn't have any mm-hmm. last night. Have you noticed that it's – well, I guess for start off with this. Have you seen a stretch like this from them? Has there been kind of some lulls from this team that you've seen at all over the year? Yeah, I mean, there has been, and – I mean, there was a point where where Giannis Donskoy had seven goals in, in five games, and and Andre Burakovsky won, went on a streak of his own. I mean, when you're the top players, I think I mean it, it's it's well known you got to carry the team pretty much all the time, but it's not going to be every single night. And if the Avalanche want to win this series, their best players have to be their best players. Uh, flip it over to Vegas, Max Pacioretty. Uh, now has back-to-back games with game-winning goals. And uh, he has rejuvenated the lineup and probably a big reason that the first round went to seven with Vegas. And he's the perfect example of being the top goal scorer and doing exactly what he's out there to do. And the trio of Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen, and I'll even throw Kale McCarr in there because when you're a defenseman as skilled and as smart as Kale McCarr, you you have to be better. I mean, that was the first time in the playoffs that he's been a minus in a game last night. He was a minus two. So um, the best players need to be the best. I think they know that more than anybody else, and I expect them to be uh, much improved on home ice tomorrow, a place where Colorado is 20-0-1 their last 21 games. That's the voice of uh, our old pal, Connor McGee. He's still, still our pal, but a call. Hey, friends. Call the game <laughs> call the games for the Avs. Uh, you could hear it. Well, uh, you just mentioned coming home. I, I, I thought that was very fascinating last night, being on uh, the Zooms with Bednar, uh, with Comfer, who was speaking, and Brandon Saad also spoke mm-hmm. last night. And to a man, it was all like, yeah, you know, it's you lost two games here, but we don't lose at home. We're going home. Like, are, are they almost counting too much on the building, kind of turning things around? 
I I don't know if it's that. I think no matter pick a pick a spot in life. If you're going through a tough spot or you're in a place where you don't like, you know, if you work for the you know the show Cofield and Company, you have to look for something oh. that makes you happy afterwards. Sure. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know uh, you but, do. No, you nailed that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just saying that there, there's. The proof is in the pudding for playing at home. And I, I can't really tell you why, because they were good on home ice uh, without fans in the building. When fans started coming back in the building, they they just have been better there. And I think when when you've had a hard day, you go to some comfort food, right? You maybe get out a bowl of ice cream or, or, or crack open a cold one when you get home. And that's that's this version of that for the Avalanche. I don't think it's counting on it too much. It's sort of talking themselves back into the fact that, look, we're the number one overall seed. We won the President's Trophy, and we won it for a reason. And we went 4-3-1 and one versus this team this year, and it's not going to be easy, and we need this game to win. They know that. The Game 5 is now the most important game in the series. They also know that they've lost in seven games in the second round two years in a row now, and they want to avoid that as much as possible. So everyone motivates in their own particular way, and I think this is – sort of uh, an echo of that from from Bednar, Comfer, and, and Saad, as you heard last night. And so I think it's just sort of a, a settle-everyone-down moment, if you will. If you had to to pick a player uh, for the next game that, that could be the spark, that could you know help to start th- turn things around, is there somebody that you've kind of seen, like maybe they're on the verge of breaking out, or maybe that they're, they've done it before where they've helped the team mm-hmm. kind of break out? Well, I, I, I think... When you have a player as special as Nathan McKinnon, if he's going, then everybody else is going. Hmm. And he's got to find a way uh, to get out of the bog because he's just been he's, – he has no space to work with out there, and that's a credit to Vegas. Uh, but he, he is now the best player left in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs as far as <clears throat> pure superstars go, right? There's no Matthews. There's no McDavid. Ovechkin and Crosby are out, and now Nathan McKinnon is left. And – that's a lot of pressure on him, but again, I go back to Game 7 versus Dallas last year and the shot of him on the bench. He, he, he hates to lose probably more than he likes to win. And speaking of motivating factors, that is it. So, I, again, in the vein of your best players have to be your best players, Nathan McKinnon has been sort of held off of everything. I mean, you, you haven't really noticed him for three games now. I think that'll change tomorrow in Game 5. What do you think of the building at T-Mobile? Adam was bringing oh, up uh, that you know there were a couple of situations where it was just so freaking loud that uh, maybe the ads got crossed up a little bit, especially on one of the goals yesterday. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that any visiting player to a building will tell you that they like the environment as much as the home team and that – any noisy building is actually is actually good to to play in front of. It's not like being over at Allegiant Stadium and you know Raiders fans being loud when the Chargers are on offense. You know it's a little bit different when it comes to hockey. I think it's a motivating factor. But I will say that as far as environments go, and we've known this for for a bunch of years now, that T-Mobile is one of the best, and and the fans are great, and it was good to see uh, just a full building and no empty seats anywhere. That's always a good sign. What. A- uh, Grubauer, I, I don't really put a whole lot on him for this game. I mean, he's been so great no, in the series no, no, no. and uh, five goals yesterday. But you know, I, I I think you look at that and say not really necessarily on him. No. Uh, but th- is is he like? Do you think he's he's capable again of just carrying this team if they needed the last couple of games, just kind of taking over a game and saying, I don't care what happens, you're not scoring on me. And he could he get to that level? And keep in mind, like he is he's playing for money, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his contract's up after this year. So you have him as an unrestricted free agent. Ooh. Gabriel Landeskog is an unrestricted free agent. Kale McCarr's uh, rookie contract expires, so he's due a raise. But Philip Grubauer, I mean, there were a bunch of teams who wanted to take a swing at him after uh, he beat Vegas. Well, his team beat Vegas in, in the Cup Final in 2018, and he was a backup to Braden Holtby, obviously started that playoff run. Didn't play great against Columbus, hence why Holtby went in there. But I, I think there were a, a ton of scouts and general managers around the league that said, Look, there's starters potential in, in Philip Grubauer. His style is very simple, um, very controlled, and he's really shown his growth over the past couple of years. I mean, that's just the second time all year that he has had back-to-back losses. Uh, b- before last night, he was 9-1 and one following a loss uh, with like a 1.8 goals against average. So he's as good as it gets. I mean, you, you see that, that he can steal games. He kept the Avs in it in game three, and I would say he stole it in game number two. He can do it again. Uh, he knows what's at stake, uh, whether that's uh, a contract in the future, but as his agent, Elaine Waugh, and, and him have both said on, on numerous occasions that it's about winning now because uh, that'll take care of the future. So uh, I don't worry about Philip Grubauer if he's healthy, uh, he's one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League, along with a guy on the other end of the ice. They're both Vesna finalists, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, you, you talked about some of the contracts that are up. If if this team doesn't get through this round, like, is this it for this core? I wouldn't say so. I think that you the best example I can come up with is Sidney Crosby, and, and we'll equate him to Gabriel Landeskog in the fact that when Crosby uh, needed a new deal, he, he took less money to keep the core together in Pittsburgh. Now, I, I don't want to speak for Gabe Landeskog. I just am observing the type of person, father, player, leader that he is, and and that's a possibility that he would do that. I mean, you always want to uh, get what you deserve, secure your future, take care of your family, but he also knows that, that this is a core group. I mean, you have... Uh, first overall pick in Nathan McKinnon, second overall pick in Gabriel Landeskog, 10th overall pick in Miko Rantanen, fourth overall pick in Kale McCarr. I mean, the, the, this is a, a core group of guys in different positions all over the ice that should be the foundation for a team that should compete for the Cup every year for the next five or six years. Now, I, I would say that the fact that the salary cap does not go up this year because of COVID hurts the Avalanche maybe more than any other team in the National Hockey League because instead of going to 89, close to $90 million, you're stuck back at 81 and a half. And, you know, it's $9 million, $8.5 million that you could use to pay a Philip Grubauer, uh, pay a Gabriel Landeskog. And now Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick, assistant general manager and general manager, are going to have to get creative and see what they have in the pipeline and really see what sacrifices have to be made. Does that mean you can't bring back Brandon Saad next year? Does that mean you can't bring back Pierre-Edouard Belmar? Don't snatch him back up, please. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, those are the type of players that are maybe sort of on the chopping block to to make way for some of those other big deals that are due. But to answer your question, no. I think that this isn't a one-and-done. The tough part about being a GM and an assistant general manager, especially when you're looking at contracts, you're making decisions for now, yes, but you're also making decisions 
forward five and six and seven years into the future. So I think there's a plan in place. Well, I don't know what that is. Uh, I see this core sticking together for a good amount of years. Uh, last one before we get you out of here, I think. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate the time. Uh, game seven, they could get Kadri back, right? I mean, is this is this something that could make a difference going forward in the series? Sure, and especially from the faceoff dot because – Vegas, uh, while game three was 50-50, didn't feel that way. I actually didn't yeah. look at face-offs from last night. But you could, just, you could just tell that important draws, especially in the defensive zone for Colorado, uh, Vegas is winning everything. I felt like Nick Waugh hasn't lost a face-off in this <laughs> series yet. Um, but that's an important facet that uh, really could help Colorado relieve the pressure of what Vegas is throwing at them. And Kadri, along with Belmar, are probably two of their best face-off guys. Gabriel Landeskog has come a long way in that regard. But I think anytime you're missing a true second-line center on your team, you're missing a big piece of a lot of things. Yeah, he struggled offensively down the stretch. He had one goal in his last 20 games. But I think that there are so many other facets that he provides to a lineup um, that if he's able to come back for Game 7, that could be a pretty decent difference maker. I think it is going to a Game 7. What do you think? Yeah, pro- I mean, look, we've all said that before the series started. You have the two best teams in the National Hockey League, unfortunately, are playing in the second round. And that's just the way it, the way that it is this year. Uh, to a lot of people, this could and should be a Stanley Cup final. And when you have the two best teams in the land playing, you want to go as, as far as, as you can. And that's six and seven games. And it, it probably could go the distance. And the question will be who steals one uh, away from home ice first because unlike the rest of the NHL, go, going into last night, they were 29 and 29. Well, I beg your pardon, 30 and 30 with the Montreal win. Uh, home ice is up, 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 uh, as opposed to road wins. So as they say, it's never a series until the road team wins. But uh, I think what everyone predicted before we started, uh, this thing could go seven. Connor McGahey is with us. Yes, these are the last questions. Um, I actually, uh, on, on a sports-related note, uh, I actually think the Nuggets are going to take out the Suns. I'm not sure what you think about that. And uh, I could still see in the next couple of months the Broncos landing Aaron Rodgers. The, the Aaron, yeah, in this town especially, the the Aaron Rodgers rumors, you know, fly around like leaves all over the place. And uh, I, I don't know. It's It's just so fascinating because now they have Teddy Bridgewater signed and they're trying to – there's been real, no real commitment from George Payton, the new GM of the Broncos, as to, as to if uh, Drew Locke is the guy. And, and so that always makes – it leaves the door open for, well, is, is Aaron Rodgers a possibility? And then for the Nuggets, I mean, the, the thing is they, they had a, a whale of a series versus the Trailblazers. They have injury problems, though. How much is that going to hurt them right. versus Phoenix? And uh, we will see because uh, it's not just uh, – bench players that are out. I mean, you have half your backcourt that's injured. So uh, it will be interested, interesting rather here in the Mile High City, but it's a, it's a fun sports town at the moment, that's for sure. Connor, we appreciate it. Glad you're doing well. You sound great on the calls. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again soon. I'd love to. Good to hear from you guys. Nice to talk to you. We'll talk soon. Okay, see you later. There he is, Connor McGahey, who was on the, uh, the broadcast for the Golden Knights in season number one. What do you think of my Nuggets point? That they can take out Phoenix. I still don't know that Chris Paul is going to be anything better than, you know, 60, 70% in this one. I mean, I would love to see the Nuggets at full strength, but I I think even with this 
unit that they have. Look what they showed in the last series. They're sure. going against a freaking monster, and they overcame him. Yeah, I, I think they're absolutely legitimate. Have it, have best a player in basketball. This. They could, they could win the West. Jokic, best yeah. player in the world. MVP. I do think they have a shot in this one, though. For sure. A real good shot. The West is going to be crazy. Uh, we'll get to the East on the way back and talk about my Nets. The phones are always open on Cofield and Company. Call 702-364-1100 now. Now back to Cofield and Company. Nice pass. They go New York, go New York, go. Go New York, go New York, go. Say go New York, go New York, go. This outstanding performance by the Brooklyn Nets. As they win it 115 to 107. We draw charges and we send picks. We are New York. Say go New York, go New York, go. we go everyone in new york that's the next theme song right there good game one congrats all new yorkers and of course new jersey folks behind the nets love that song i've always loved that song as a net song you see uh spike lee singing it soon hey why not he's a new yorker why not support the new york team the dominant team the team that was expected to make the finals not the dopey team where everyone's like, what a storyline. They made the playoffs and won a game. We're back, baby. Back to what? Next year, we'll make a run at the 10 seed in the play-in. Probably not. Nets. Go, New York. Go, New York. I've Nets. always looked at Brooklyn as real New York. A lot of people do. Yeah. Manhattan. Manhattan. There's a bunch of people come from everywhere else to work. Brooklyn is real. Out the outsiders on, yep. the, on the island. Yep. One of the islands. All right. Nets got the job done. Everything's good. Big three's back together for like a minute. Well, this series got a whole lot more interesting. I was confident the Nets were going to win this series. You know, Giannis can get his. So what? Nets can outpace the rest of the Bucks. Here we go. Harden's hammy. I kind of feel bad because sucks. I was I was uh, I was talking about this series and and the Nets in general uh, with someone on Friday, and I said I I would love to think the Nets could actually be a factor. I I would bet if you put something on the board, like will one of them get hurt? Like, I would bet yes. And it literally happened the next game, like seven minutes or whatever. It was like right into the game. It just started. Oh, man. It's I, – I loved – and from, from the second this was put together, I think everybody was the same. You love the construction of this team. You love those personalities together, those, those dynamic players on the same roster. But they're, they're, they're never playing together. They're never on the court together. They we played uh... – You know what's funny? I guess that goes down as the three of them playing together against the Bucs. They hadn't played together against the Bucs in any of the games during the regular season. Yeah. Well, and and what are we at now? We're at, Freak was a, looking at like 12 games total, I think. 
that they've been together, all three, at the same time. It's insane. So, no Harden tonight, ruled out with a hammy. And now the Bucks are favored. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, they basically played without him last game. And the Nets were fine. Now, I, I know that the way that, you know, we've come to expect the NBA series go, the way that we bet them, you know, the Bucks are in a good spot anyway. People are going to bet on the Bucks anyway, regardless of whether Harden was playing or not. But it seems a little bit odd to me that they're now favored in the game. I thought it would be Nets one, one and a half, maybe even two. But again, I mean, that's as much as it looks different. It's one point either way is kind of the same. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit surprising that it would be that much of an adjustment. And I think a lot of it is money. It's not just the, the books adjusting on it. A right. lot of people just you know, bet, bet the game and bet that side because he's not playing. I like it. I like backs against the wall situation. One nothing lead. I mean, you know, people writing off the little engine that could with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Overlook us. Us. We're fine with that. We're fine with that. You know, there were a lot of lot of games, a lot of big series, especially that Sixer series in the early eighties, you know, where Otis Bird song. So that was what pre Albert King, Dawkins, Jaminski, Mike O'Corin. They got disrespected. Same kind of guys as Durant and Kyrie Irving. Is Kendall Gill a Nets legend? Uh, legend? I don't know. Whatever, whoever you want to consider a legend. He's not from that era, but yeah, sure. Why not? What was that? I was trying to name Yeah. yeah. No, I, was going, I was going on the way back machine. Keith Van Horn? Uh, sure. I was, I was going are they going to bring some of those guys back like to be a part of this run? Why are you laughing? It's funny. It wouldn't be cool to have Derek Coleman out there. He's been ordered his high He's doing whatever they do before Brooklyn Nets games and cranking their proverbial air horn. It's just funny to think of some of those. Like, you know. Why is it funny? Because also. What's, what's funny? Because a lot of the. Like Brooklyn, funny how? <laughs> Sorry. Wow. A lot of the Brooklyn <laughs> Another fans. Another Jersey guy in Pesci. A lot of the Brooklyn funny fans are just, are just like, wait, who's. Who's this guy? <laughs> oh, the, the Nets of today? Yeah. Oh, if they they brought back uh, former first-round pick Jeff Turner, yeah, they'd be like, I mean, he's big. Did he ever play? <laughs> he but nobody nobody had ever paid attention to them because they were New Jersey. Now, all of a sudden, they're Brooklyn, and it's it, everybody loves them, but the, they don't have any appreciation, probably, for the history. I mentioned Damian Lillard referencing him as a monster a couple of minutes ago, and that uh, Jokic got by the monster, you know, shooting half-court shots. What happens now with Portland? Because uh, I saw the story over the weekend that Jason Kidd has pulled his name out of consideration. Day before, uh, news came out that Damian Lillard wanted Kidd as the coach. Uh, one, should Lillard have say in who the coach is? Well, I'll let you answer that one first. If you would have, if you would have said to me last week, all right, Portland's going to be out, and it's, they're going to have to start focusing on what they have to do to you know, build around Damian Lillard and keep him happy and keep him around and everything else. Should he get say in personnel and even who the next coach is? And my answer would have been like, yeah, absolutely. He should. He's that good. He's been that loyal. Like they should build around him and he should have a say in it. And then if you told me, well, the first thing he's going to do when he gets that power is to name Jason Kidd as the coach, <laughs> I would have said, yeah, Damian Lillard should not have any say in, What's going on around that team? Why do you say that? I just I don't I still think it's a 
I don't look at him as a as a great head coach. I, don't I think see Jason him as... Kidd, he's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. Sure he is. And I'll... the speculation started over the weekend. It's like, yeah, he won a championship, but you know how it works with LeBron. Like, Vogel, is he there? Is a kid? Why would Kidd pull out of consideration for a pretty decent job? Well, they might have told him no, and he doesn't want that on his record. Okay. Preemptive strike? Yeah. He wasn't getting it? That's usually what happens. Why, even if the... If the Lakers were going to do that, why not be like, oh, yeah, what's going on, Portland? How much are you going to give me? Because then the Lakers have to double that <laughs> or whatever they have to do. Or would he go Chris Beard, take the job in Portland and then <laughs> jump ship? Right. That'd be cool. Yeah, I don't I, – st- I still don't – I don't look at Jason Kidd as a, as a very good coach. I never have. I probably never will. But it, there's also a lot of question marks around him. Like off court stuff. So there's, you know, there's a lot there. Big fight over the weekend ends with a lot of questions. I didn't see this coming. It's almost like <laughs> Floyd Mayweather's going to have to freaking fight Jake Paul now. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, that was about what I expected over the weekend with Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Paul got you know beat up a little bit on his face. Floyd didn't knock him out. Did he almost knock him down? Maybe. We'll get to that. But there's no decision. And it's almost like the whole thing was a work to set up the next Floyd-Paul fight, right? By announcing the week of the fight, Adam, that there would be no winner. Now, I suppose you could have a little debate about the fight. You can't. But Logan Paul kind of set up the stage for a fight against Jake Paul by saying, hey, I give credit to Floyd. Like, didn't crush him, say he sucks. You know, he he caught, he got me, you know, when I made mistakes, he was there to get me. But he did seem a little bit slower. Maybe age is catching up to him. Right? Don't do this. And But then the funny thing is, like, we can see what's going on here. We can see what's going on here. There are a lot of people who, based on what Logan did, surviving, will want a Jake Paul fight and also don't believe that a professional MMA guy who will try, who actually has something on the line in Tyron Woodley, that he's now in trouble against Jake Paul. Like, real trouble because Logan Paul survived Floyd Mayweather. Like, I guess... I guess this is how this whole thing is going to work. I don't know how the whole thing is going to work. Uh, first of all, I, I will say that it just felt like there was a a drop-off in excitement and anticipation and energy for this fight compared to the other YouTube fights. Really? Yeah. I mean, I felt way more from people. Maybe it was because it was Sunday instead of Saturday. And, like, Saturday, everybody's, like, having barbecues and drinking and then getting ready for the fight and getting all into it. Like, 
I feel like yesterday it was down a little bit from from that. So I don't know if we're going to keep continuing to crescendo each and every time and getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we'll have to to monitor that. But um, I also just I feel like people got it a little bit. Not everyone, of course. A lot of people out there were like, "Can't believe he lasted the whole fight." Like, but so many people that I saw were like, "Okay, Floyd, what are you doing?" First of all, he once again like. So many, but the the people you see are I think people in the business. The the average casual fan. You don't think the the Logan Paul fans look at it and they're like, he survived. Oh. Jake's going to kill Floyd. The Logan Paul fans for sure. But that, that's who counts the most. No, not, the, you, not the boxing or fight-wise group of people that you follow who are in the bubble. I mean, I think, you need, I, think, I think you need the casuals, though. Yeah. Not just the people that are the, the fans of the Paul brothers. Like, you need, you need the average person. And I think because, you know, we know that the, the Connor Floyd fight did massive business. And a lot of people watched it, and a lot of people, I think, even though they didn't get it at the time, I think have come to understand what happened in that fight of Floyd carrying Connor the first three or four rounds, making sure that there was some competitiveness, some intrigue, some, oh, I'm down to nothing. What's going to happen? Like, he wanted people to get their money's worth. It was like a show, all of that. And I think people got that because yesterday it was egregious. I don't think he threw a punch in the it was the, the second round. I don't think he threw a punch. Floyd? Yeah. Yeah, he averaged 13 punches around. And and there was there's little 13, risk. 13 landed. Around. There's little risk. I mean, Paul's jab was slower than yours. I've seen it. Yours is quicker. There's like no real <laughs> risk there. So why is he not throwing? It's obviously because he's trying to make it look more competitive and look more interesting and fun. And so I think enough people – listen, again, not everyone. There's plenty of people out there that are still celebrating today that Logan Paul, quote-unquote, lasted eight rounds. But it's also – it's silly. By the way, that's wrong. I, I said landed. It was attempted. Yeah. Floyd, round by round. These are punches in – these were three-minute rounds, right? Yeah. Eight three-minute rounds. Yep. Floyd throughout the fight. Three of six in the first. Three of eight. Nine of 18. Eight of 22. Ten of 23. Five of 13. Two of seven. <laughs> he threw seven punches in a round, yeah, and three of ten. And it's kind of what he did against against Connor. Like the first couple of rounds, there's nothing. And Logan Paul threw a lot of punches, but he landed thirteen percent, which I'm guessing is pretty generous. And dude, his jab was slow. Well, he they're they're kids who work out boxing at. I know, and I I, I know everyone keeps telling me how good Jake Paul is. He ain't much different. He's slightly better. He's better, but but what I'm saying is not. It's not that. It's not a critique of of Logan Paul. Right? Is that Floyd just carried him as we thought he would, and right. to a. I don't think he did it as badly. There was more risk against Conor McGregor. You know, sure. he's a brilliant defensive fighter, fighter, so he can freaking roll off punches. Yeah, Stephen I, A. said this was bad for boxing. I, I think all. I mean, I think all of it is, but I've. I think there's also a good element of it. Like What's if, the good you, element? if you do it right, if you do it right, it's, it's, do you hook people on boxing through this? Do people who tuned in yesterday and saw the undercard fights that were legitimate boxing matches, do people get excited about those guys and not get excited about celebrity boxing? Do, do you, 
use this as a platform to get people interested in the sport in general and the people that actually do it for a living at a high level. And that's where it could be good. Yeah. That's where it could be really, really good for the sport. That you're just drawing attention to it and, and introducing people to new fighters and new people, new personalities, you know, different things like that. That's where it could be good. If, if it's, if it's, hey, we're just going to continue to make these stupid fights that are awful and, you know, guys are not, it's not fixed because there's no winner, but like the competitiveness of it was fixed. Yeah. And if you're going to keep doing that, then it, it's going to be bad. People are only going to do that for so long. Boxing media person, fight media person said, got to say, if Paul goes the distance, this is the middle of the fight. That's a hell of a moral victory. Mayweather isn't really fighting at his best and is obviously retired from bow boxing for good reasons. But Paul is over overperforming for sure. How, in what way? <laughs> and you do believe that at one point Floyd did crack him upside the head with a right and that Logan Paul was falling down and Floyd held him up? I think he was out. <laughs> Floyd caught him. Floyd caught 155 him. pounds holding up the guy who's probably walking in at like 200. Floyd caught him as he fell. Yep. Because he didn't want he didn't want to knock him out. Because <laughs> that's bad for business in sure. the future. Yeah. I mean, you know, Floyd said he is the king of the uh what was it? The he king says of he's the legalized at, he, he, bank robbery. He's the best at legalized bank robbing. Yeah. Like you could hide it. You don't have to say that <laughs> right. after the fight. You can right. hide it a little bit, like set up the next fight. And, and I mean, I get that that's his brand of like I just figure out ways to make money. I'll just keep making money. Well, at some point, the only way you're real, like right now, what he did yesterday was fine to set up a future. Oh, went the distance. He went the distance. I can fight him again or I can fight his brother. Oh, interesting. At some point, you're going to have to lose to make it interesting. Then what? If you're if you're out there just saying like, hey, I'm king of legalized bank robbery. I do what it takes to make money. I'll just keep doing it. Well, at some point, it's going to require a loss to keep making more money. Are you willing to do that too? Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.